Hey guys, welcome to this week's, I'm going to say special episode of the Crypto Catch-Up. Uh, I'm Pav. And I'm Ted. And we've got three cameras pointing at us collectively. It's a bit intimidating, isn't it? It's good, isn't it? So, I mean, for everyone listening, there's now a video format. Ted, where can we catch us? I actually have no idea where this is going. So we're going to be start putting full episodes on YouTube. Right. And you'll obviously be able to find shorts and Insta Reels and TikToks, just small clips there. But full episode is on YouTube. We thought we're going to compete with the likes of Joe Rogan. Are we actually? Come on. Yeah, we are. Oh, okay. Now, let's let's aim for like, you know, the, some of the bigger crypto podcasts and then we'll take out Joe Rogan. All right. So, yeah, we're going to trial out this uh, new video format. So let us know how it goes. Make sure to check us out on YouTube. Um, that should be up, you know, sometime over the next week. And we'll post that on our socials as well. So keep an eye out. How good. But uh, that's enough about that nonsense. <laughs> Let, let's crack into what actually matters. Yeah, mate. What's happening? What's happening? Pav, what's happening in the market? Tell me. It's been wild. So since we last caught up, we talked about markets looking a bit slumpish. For those now checking in on the screens, we've got a nice little chart of Bitcoin. So we can actually show what we're talking about instead of waving our hands about in the sky. Yep. Yeah, we talked about this lower low that I'm pointing at here on the 1st of September being sort of penciled in that that could have been a sign of weakness in the markets. And since then, we've only seen, I guess, the market slide and slump away. So we've lost a pretty key range uh, in the current market on Bitcoin specifically, and we're headed what's most likely going to be the June 2023 low. So biggest thing I want to shout out, this is the start of a macro mania. So basically like WrestleMania, but I think more dweeby. Um, <laughs> you know, we've got some massive, massive news uh, coming up in the headlines. So Just before you get into that, I love how that we've yeah. spoken about WWE and WrestleMania two weeks in a row. So well, I was going to see if you actually noticed. Yeah, let's. I think we keep that trend running. Who, who's got the strap at the moment? The strap? Yeah, the belt. Oh, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> don't, yeah, I know where your head's going, but. Oh, you put it there. I meant the belt. Uh, look, we can share the belt. I don't know. Let's just move on. <laughs> yeah, Wednesday and Thursday. So we've got some big news releases from Britain to the US. The biggest ones, obviously, the US dollar announcements. We've got this core CPI announcement coming out. So they're penciling in a 0.2% forecast there. And the next big one is PPI, which is essentially the change in cost of production. So that in turn will affect CPI next time around. So it's another lead metric for What'll be next week, which is the interest rate meetings in the US. So you can see here, we've got the interest rate meetings in Europe happening and they're expecting interest rates to stay the same at 4.25%. We've got there on the screen, but all in all, we don't know which way this is going to go leading into. I mean, if we take out that June low that we sort of spoke about, that could be bullish or bearish still. Like mm -hmm. these are key monthly levels that generally generate a lot of liquidity, a lot of action. And it's not until the big boys have had their say, whether we're going to take it higher or lower that we know which way we're going. So the general sentiment has been very, very negative. So the same way you sort of asked me, why did I short the market on the grayscale news? It's because everyone got way too positive mm. into resistance. Yeah. So, And that's that little spike there. That is, that is the spike here. So we could at the same time, everyone's sort of going doom and gloom. We hit a monthly low level and that could be a potential great place for the markets to go on a swing up as well. So just want to point out that any situation is likely possible here. So we're just better off almost just sitting on the sidelines and checking it out. But if you look at previous market cycles, just to finish, mm -hmm. usually there might be one more up move before we still continue to bleed out. And I know we've got some good insights on that one too coming up as well on the show. Yeah. But yeah, things could get quite nasty in both directions, I think. Can I just ask, because... Most people don't really have the time to be looking up 
you know, every single print that comes out of the US Federal Reserve and, and whatnot, and Europe and China and all those sorts of things. So you keep a pretty close eye on this. Are we heading in the right direction? Like, is it trending positively, negatively? Like, where are we going? Combining all, I know like there's a lot of different things that we're looking at here, like PPI, CPI, you know, unemployment. Like, where are we going at the moment? I think a lot of it, unfortunately, it is just a meme. Like, they, they know, like, nothing matters in terms of the markets turning around until there's, like, liquidity being injected back into capital markets. So, like, you look at COVID, right? Mm. That whole period, the government came to save the day. They stimulated. A whole bunch of money came into the system. That's when Bitcoin went on its massive run. And the US, unfortunately, as much as people don't like it, they control the narrative. Their greatest export is finance. Mm. Like, they basically are selling products to the whole world when it comes to that sort of thing. So... I think for Bitcoin specifically and also the general markets, we're just going to have to wait. It's just a time-based event. No one knows when it's going to come to a material end, but everything's sort of going towards a direction of we do or don't know a recession is coming. So if there is a recession, it's likely going to be end of this year, start of next year. If it doesn't come, it's a soft landing. And either way, we're waiting. We're still waiting for the markets to turn around in general. And it's just the way it is. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think a few months ago, the, the sentiment was quite bullish, especially surrounding the, you know, the BlackRock news and, and you know, people saying, oh, Bitcoin halving is coming up. And now it seems to have turned more bearish. Like, just, just all over the internet, I'm seeing, like, the sentiment is bearish. And even the um, Wall Street cheat sheet? I haven't. Yeah, so it's a good one out there. We can actually show it if I can bring it up here. Right, this is off the cuff. Uh, it is off the cuff, but it's a quite oh uh, yeah quite a common paradigm. Basically, mapping out the the psychology of a market cycle, and it's funny how it sort of plays out through and through all the time. Mm. But a lot of people are sort of pegging that we're almost headed into this last sort of phase before we start the rally, which is a bit of a depression sort of phase. So we could be somewhere around this region here, just past the anger bit where everyone's angry that they're losing, and now it's just like God, when's it going to pick up again? So, I mean. Who knows where we are? Actually, we don't know until it happens. But I mean, looking at this sort of cheat sheet, we've had that massive sell-off. We've potentially likely put in some kind of bottom and, you know, we've had our relief rally and now it just goes into a long period of nothing happening, which is what you're saying. A lot of people got interested in that ETF news and then it quickly just dissipated. Yeah, it's interesting. Like it seems to have happened like before each market cycle, right? Like yep. there seems to be a lot of hope come back into the market before it dies off and then it has that big pump the arm around yep. Bitcoin halving. Yep. But yeah, I was just having a look at the the fear and greed index and it's at its lowest point since January. So yeah, wow. Back January is kind of like when Bitcoin had its, you know, I think it went from about 15K to 25K in, in, a, in a short amount of time. It did. That was nice. Yeah, because that, that was following the FTX news and then some positive news came back into the market and everyone was a little bit more bullish. Mm -hmm. But yeah, mate, look, the markets are, are pretty boring right now. Like I've been more focused on the... The whole BitBoy drama and, and that, what that's playing out with. Have you kept up to date with that? Any oh, little little bits like here and there. Essentially, he's been kicked out of his channel and they've rebranded it to Discover Crypto. Oh. And he originally came out swinging saying like, BitBoy, you know, everyone's against me. This is a scandal and all this. And then he's come out being like, yeah, I was behaving erratically. Like I, I you know, I was taking testosterone, which was affecting my behavior and yeah, look, I wish him all the best. Yes. But look, it, it'll be interesting to see how that YouTube channel recovers Mate. after losing essentially the, the face of the brand. Time will tell. Have don't go BitBoy on me, please. Mate, I'll be telling that to you. <laughs> well, Matt, you're, you're the, off the rails. You're the face of the brand. I'm just the, the guy who asked the questions. All right. So please, just you know, keep level-headed. Don't do steroids, please. All right. Thanks, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's talk about the markets. Yeah, yeah. Let's jump into the top movers. So a few interesting altcoins in the top movers. So I'm looking at, yeah, we're seeing Casper, Render, Radix. Radix was an interesting one. I looked into it a little bit. Oh, yeah. And the pump from what I can see is pretty much based off a, a sponsored YouTube video by, you heard of Lark Davis? Oh, yep. Yeah, I think he might live in New Zealand, but yeah, he's like an American YouTuber, very popular. Yep. He basically did a sponsored video. So, yeah, I, I guess you got to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Radix would be paying for that video. Mm-hmm. So, you can probably assume that it's a little bit biased. Maybe. All it means is you got to go do your own deep dive. Exactly. What's going on. Exactly. We saw a lot of this in the last bull market where a lot of the big YouTubers were getting paid stacks of cash to shield tokens, organically shield tokens, and essentially being like, oh, I found this new token, yeah, yeah. and it's awesome. And, and then people- a bit of Twitter drama or X.com drama going on about that right now with a couple of yeah, trader influencers basically rugging their communities. Yeah. Um, okay. like exit liquidity thing. So it's a bit sort of playing out, but you got to always expect it's a transaction in any case, even if it's a social transaction, like they're plugging a token for a reason, right? So yeah. even though they won't admit to it, like that's just the way it is. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of them are a little bit more conscious about which tokens they they do plug. So they're not just going to shill any well, these shitcoin. These, shitcoin. Were, these were stinkers. Oh, really? Yeah, sub 1,000 stinkers. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, maybe not. But in like <laughs> uh, in terms of like Lark Davis and stuff like that, he would. I'm sure he does his DD yep. compliance checks in the background to make sure it's not a complete stinker. Like yeah, I've, I've looked into Radix in the past. So I do have a little bit that I'm staking. I think it's a decent project. I mean, if we ever look at real world adoption cases for crypto. Like I recommend everyone go check out Radix. They've got some cool just videos on like them showcasing their tech. It's it's pretty interesting. Yep. It actually makes sense as to, oh, this is how you can actually use crypto with your friends and family and for payments. So it's really cool. Yeah, cool. I think they their tagline is radically different DeFi. Okay. So um well, that's yeah, kind of sums it up. Back to the top movers. So I wanted to shout out Stellar as well. So we have a tweet up here and they're kind of teasing something. We don't really know what it is, but it is hinting at another Easter egg. Another Easter egg. Two and two weeks. Let's read this out. Changes in the air and the category is brand. We're bringing Stella to the real world in five days. Keep your eyes locked. Now that is a teaser, isn't it? That is. Some people are speculating that it's real world, real world tokenization. What am I saying? Real world assets. So tokenization of that. I'm not really sure because it's they're hinting at the the changes brand. So yeah, that, that brand bit throws me. Yeah. yeah. So one to keep an eye out for sure. I just probably watch their Twitter or their yeah, that's definitely that one. Yep, absolutely. Let's get on with this dot-com style crash article that you got here. Yeah, mate. So um, Crypto News Australia put out this article. Benjamin Cowan, for anyone who doesn't know him, he's like a highly respected quant trader and, and analyst, I guess you could say. Yeah, big fan. Yeah, you're a big fan. I'm not so much because he doesn't yell at the screen like Big Boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, he obviously has a lot of you know good things to say. So he was in an interview with Altcoin Daily and he actually came out with some interesting takes. So he's basically predicted or he's saying that the altcoin market is due for a pretty big crash, like, you know, somewhat similar to the dot-com crash of 2002. Mm-hmm. So he said, he's saying, yeah, the worst is yet to come for altcoins. So he's excluding Ethereum in that and obviously Bitcoin because he, he's actually pretty bullish in some senses on those two tokens. But he said, yeah, the old coin market could go down like as much as 47% from here. Mm. But look, he's pretty positive on Ethereum. Like he's saying like Ethereum could get to 7K and, and talking about how, you know, he's bought some Bitcoin this year and he doesn't think that Bitcoin will reach its all-time high until 2025 mm. when, you know, the money printers are turned back on. Yep. Okay. But yeah, so it's pretty interesting the way that, you know, usually people say, well, if Bitcoin's doing well, the old coins follow, right? 
but he seems to have a little bit of a different take on this one. He's got a pretty good track record too. Like he did pick quite well the last cycle. Like what was basically, I think it was December, he sort of said the starting to look a bit ugly. Just mm. he simply looks at it a bit differently to how some other people look at it in terms of like time from halvening, for example, as a metric. Like how long has it been since the halvening? Historically, mm. what has that meant for price? And it's bang on. It's like a year after the halvening date. There's usually one of the top peaks, if not the second peak in this case was put in. So yep. definitely a person to add, I would say, do your NDD on. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Just a different type of voice out there. Just just another thing to shout out as well, because he did talk about like where he thinks Bitcoin could you know, get to in the next cycle. Oh, yeah. And he's, you know, some people are speculating like 300K, but that would be a 5X from the from the previous all-time high, which was about 69,000 USD. Mm-hmm. So he thinks that's a bit ridiculous considering the last bull market, we got to 69 from 20. So- just over a 3x. Yep. So he's, you know, he's a bit bearish in that sense, but he, he reckons we could get into the the six figures, so j- over 100k. Yeah, I've been thinking about this too lately. I mean, my take is, are you interested in my take? Yeah, of course, mate. Okay, cool. I'll give it. I just didn't want to give it a few energy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bitcoin's, it's going to sound stupid, but Bitcoin's worth a lot more than what it used to be. So it yep. takes a lot more money for it to go up higher. Exactly. So yep. if you look at it also just in terms of diversification too, like we talk about the crypto industry is growing, like it's mm. still in its nascent state, but there's more USPs, there's an actual use case for it. So the more and more, let's say Ethereum becomes the, let's say the financial backbone of the crypto space, mm-hmm. a lot more value is potentially going to sit there that may not necessarily have to run and flee to Bitcoin to hold its values. Yeah. yeah. And you start to see all these other sort of use cases start to crop up. So, I mean, that's all taking away from one thing, right? It's all Bitcoin dominance. It's eating away at. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It'd be interesting. No, it is interesting. Like you said, like the bigger the asset is, the less it, you know, has the chance to pump like 10x, right? Yeah. I don't think we're going to see Bitcoin pump 10x in the next bull run. Like it's highly unlikely. Unless something crazy happens, but uh, yeah. But yeah, like if, you know, the ETF gets approved, institutional money comes in, whether it's enough to turn it into, you know, six figures, we'll wait and see. Yeah. So Benjamin Cowan, go check him out. He's, um, He's a pretty interesting cat. He is. In other news, I mean, we we have to talk about this. It's kind of being plastered everywhere. The FTX drama is still, I guess, playing out. There's um, uh, a multi-billion dollar portfolio of 1.2 billion, just said billion a couple of times there, $1.2 billion worth of Sol that makes up their current assets. And I mean, this all comes amongst a recent creditors meeting that they've got on the 11th of September. So it's all got to do with the bank proceedings, claims, you know, distributing those earnings or holdings back to customers. Mm. There's creating quite a bit of panic in the market. So I thought, you know, it'd be a good one for us to break down, talk about it a little bit more simply. So, I mean, two things here for me. I think there's a great post here from the DeFi investor. Sort of points out something that we spoke about quite a long time ago in regard to like what's the actual exposure of Sol Holdings with FTX and Alameda Research. And a lot of it, when you look into it, it's all locked up, linear on lock, only a certain amount becomes available over time. And the majority of all of their tokens, they won't be able to access until 2028. 2025. Mm. We've spoken about this before, right? We have, we have. So when you see these sort of stats and figures being plastered all over mainstream crypto news, like it, it looks very concerning, but... I mean, that part of it, unless something changes with the arrangement of how they're held, those assets can't essentially be liquidated. There was a tweet basically that went over, like even in the proceedings of paying back customers in a bankruptcy case, it's not like they instantly go to market and sell and dump everything all at once. There's a bit of a more pragmatic approach to it. Yeah. So it's not something like, oh, they're coming to dump and on everyone. It's a case of, well, if they do have to sell it, they'll do it as a part of a, a planned proceeding. And yeah. 
A lot of it will happen probably OTC as well. So we won't actually see the price movement on the charts that we all use as retail investors. Mm. So it'll happen off-chain as well or off regular exchange books as well. Yeah, because it's the Department of Justice has a responsibility to protect customers. So if they start selling off or allowing FTX to start selling off like crazy, then obviously that's going to have a pretty dire impact yes. on the price of some of these assets. And it's not just Seoul. Like, I mean, Seoul was one of the, their bigger holdings. They've obviously got a huge holding of FTT, but... Hell, I that. Yeah. <laughs> but like other assets like Dogecoin, they had a bit Bitcoin, Ethereum and all that. Lots of Bitcoin, lots of Ethereum. About 500 mil of Bitcoin and then 192 mil of Ether. So yeah. Justin Sun, actually interesting. It's a bit of a character. He always pokes his head out every now and then and just causes a bit of controversy. He's um, the founder of Tron. Tron. Yep. yep. And he also owns Huobi Exchange. Yep. But yeah, basically said that he's contemplating making an offer for the holding tokens to reduce their selling impact on the crypto community. So again, he's just trying to step in, be that good guy. Save the day. I have noticed a little bit of a trend with Justin. He always loves he, he lo- likes to jump in and pretend like he's the good yeah. guy hero here to save the day. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's ever actually done anything. <laughs> like, I mean, who knows? But it's interesting to watch anyway from the sidelines. Yeah, sorry, Justin. But Ted, I know you've been speaking also some other news about Solana that kind of yeah, well, you got missed. I just kind of wanted to cover off on a few things that are happening with Solana. I mean, we just spoke about some negative news. There's been some other negative news around the SEC claiming Solana and a bunch of other layer ones have their own securities, essentially their tokens. But Solana's been doing some big things this year. So what we got here is an announcement by Visa, essentially saying that they're going to enable a pilot settling USDC payments on the Solana blockchain. So pretty massive in that case. I think like they could have chosen Ethereum, but it's just too slow. Yeah. So they wanted something faster, more scalable, and then they've chosen Solana because Solana probably is in that position where it's like the second biggest layer one and and like got the second biggest ecosystem in that sense. So and it's quick, right? The only issue is they've they've had some downtime in the past, but they've had a really good track record this year so far. So yeah, we, we spoke about some pretty big upgrades they're bringing to improve on that too. So I mean, they yeah. fix that exactly right up there being competitive again. So exactly. So yeah, and it's not just that Shopify also partnered with Solana. They're going to allow like Solana payments on you know the Shopify platform. So yeah, Solana putting in some big things, putting in some work. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good news. I know you're a fan of Solana. I'm a fan of Solana. I think it's well primed for the next bull market. I'm not saying, you know, that it's going to do 50x or anything, but it's got that activity. It's got that adoption. It's been able to maintain its, you know, market cap and status as one of the top layer ones, despite all the stuff that's come out with FTX. Yep. And the SEC as well after this. So for one to watch out for. Yeah. And if you've been a trader to, it's been a high beta asset, a lot of volatility. It's been kind of leading when the markets have been looking good or bad. So there's that element to it as well. But I just want to touch back on the FTX side of things. Mm. What's your opinion on um, the FTX reboot? Like they're still talking about as a part of all of this, paying back all the customers. Mm. They've got a whole bunch of bidders lined up to look at reinstating the exchange and operating again. Don't. Don't. <laughs> like the brand is ruined. The brand is in the bin. Like don't, if you're going to try and do that, rebrand to something else and and try and go a completely different direction and come out with, you know, reputable, reliable, like new founders and new executive teams and stuff like that. But get rid of FTX, try and separate yourself as far as possible from that name because no one's going to want to go back there. If they call themselves XTF, that's not good enough for you? I'll accept it. <laughs> Where do I sign up? <laughs> oh, that's good. What else we got? We got PayPal now offering more additional services as a part of their new suite of crypto offerings. So we all saw in recent times they've launched a stablecoin. 
they've enabled an on-ramp to purchase crypto. They've now finished that pipeline off. There's an off-ramp. So that's an all-in-one solution for a lot of US citizens. And it's pretty interesting. I was thinking about this when I was reading this, that they spent so much time getting all the exchanges out of the US and making it so hard for consumers to get it. And then a big player like PayPal just rolls in and on-ramp, off-ramp instantly. Like Mm. it seems within a couple of months, they've just got it all working and no one's really... Good for them. Interesting, right? It is. But there's also another key partnership there that may not be known of, Ledger. So Ledger Live is actually plugged in an integration to PayPal. So US citizens specifically can purchase straight from their Ledger through PayPal Mm. and yeah, just be fully self-custodian themselves and just using PayPal as the payment rail. So do you see a time where PayPal is like a dominant player in the crypto market? Like it's happening, isn't it? I mean, I do you mean do you mean like on a global scale? On a global scale. And people don't go to exchanges, they go to PayPal for their crypto and, and that's where essentially they keep it, hold it, send it, receive it. Can't see why not. Mm. Like they've got the user base. So if they make a good UI, like good user experience, they make everything Z, like that's the whole thing about PayPal. That everyone uses it because it's so easy. Yeah. Right. It's a beautiful, it's pretty it's beautiful UI. Like I love going on it. It's so simple. I used to hate it, but now I love it. Okay. All right. It's good to know. <laughs> we know we're learning more about your taste. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you guys are. Yeah, I think you can see what Elon wants to do, right, with X.com, just mm. try and attack that same narrative. Take on, I think the next thing, like I think we spoke about it last or the podcast before, like globalization of payments. Like mm. it's just who's going to win that race yeah. to be the majority of banking globally. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's be honest. If you're sending money overseas, it's this, the process is clunky. It's slow. It's expensive. That is like, I can't believe we're even in that stage now where we have to do that. And the process is as shit as it is now. Like, let's be honest, PayPal and crypto and all these other payment networks, they're going to take over this game and and completely revolutionize it. Yep. Well said, mate. Cool. Well, before we duck off today, I just wanted to shout out something that we spoke about last week. So SwiftX Learn and Earn, we hinted that we're going to launch it last week and we launched on Wednesday with our own fundamental analysis course. So users can go in, complete the course. If you want to hit that start course button, Pav. Here we go. So not only are you earning five bucks in Bitcoin for completing the course, but you are actually learning something extremely valuable. So we partnered up with the Investify boys. So for anyone listening to this podcast, we'll have another course out, which you know when this podcast comes out, it'll be yesterday. So that'll be about dollar cost averaging, what it is, how you can do it effectively, like what are the benefits, what are the risks as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for completing that course, you'll get $2 an ETH. So it's not bad. It's a short course, but it's, I think it's a highly important investing method to know about. And we're not saying you have to do it, but it's important to know about. And so, yeah, go to SwiftX alone when you get the chance and go check out that course. Nice, mate. Other than that, I think it's a wrap. How, how do you think it went? I reckon it went pretty well, Pav. Yeah, yeah. I think the three cameras is a bit intimidating, yep. but we'll get used to it. Intimidated. Yeah, we'll get used to it. Yep. And I think we'll have some pretty big guests on by the time you know we, we blow this thing up is your mom coming on <laughs> yeah finally well you had to bring my mother in can help it alrighty alright guys thanks thank you so much for joining us for today's show if you liked it don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at tapping into crypto and before we finish up just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation if you're looking to get advice please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor we'll talk to you soon 